right. I was saying we've had a lot of really good things happen in our church this year. Uh, we saw 55 people get saved in Uganda back in February, and more than that were healed. I don't, I don't know the number that were healings, but there was a lot of them. Um, we saw the Lord uh, heal many people here, too, in the church. In fact, last week, Holly mentioned there was six or seven, maybe more. There was the ones, the testimonies I heard of, hips, neck. Um, I can't remember. Oh, the lady came with a neck brace. Remember her? She was in a car accident. Her name is Tiffany, I believe. And uh, she'd been in a car accident two weeks ago. And she left with no pain. So uh, praise God. Amen. Um, we also had seven kids get saved during VBS this week, just a few months ago. We had 110 people here on Easter Sunday, and we had 107 last Sunday. We haven't, in 15 years I've been here, we haven't broke the 100 barrier. That was like oh, trying to break this 100 barrier in my mind. Like, I want to get 100, and we did it twice this year already. We're, we're growing. And I have all these reasons to be encouraged, and we have all these reasons to be encouraged with what God's doing and the good things that are still to come. But there was uh, just something in my heart just felt, I don't know, funny. Now, just in a personal note, too, we had mentioned this. We had a lot of good things happening in our family. My book came out this year, back in, the, in January. Um, Holly and I are now homeowners, praise God, thanks to you guys and the, your help. Um, we were able to go to Canada to see your family, and Holly and I both received raises this year. There's all these reasons. There's, there's so many more reasons to be grateful, thankful, and I am. But something in my heart just didn't feel right. I just felt like I was in a, a funk or something. I felt like I was trying to discern, I was trying to pray and feel like, just figure out what is going on in my heart. I don't know what I'm feeling. And uh, I was a little discouraged, a little disappointed with Uganda, even though 55 were saved, which is awesome. I was expecting a lot more when uh, Pastor Henry said that the first well we dedicated, he had between 500 and 1,000. So I'm doing the math. We did six wells, so five more wells. I'm doing the math. I'm thinking, that's a lot of salvations, even though we had 55. But he had a crusade for that one well. I didn't know that, and so those numbers were different. And um, I was I just a little discouraged about some th stuff, and I, I guess I didn't really know it. You know how sometimes you get busy doing stuff, and then you don't really, it's hard to discern how you're feeling? And this stuff happens at work or home or family, and you just don't take the time to pray and process. And you just, but you feel this, I feel off. I don't know what it is, but I just feel it off. And I was feeling that. I was feeling a little discouraged about our prophetic ministry team because I was really loving that team and that group and getting together and praying together and growing. And, and that just stopped after COVID. We haven't got that back going yet. A little discouraged about weekly tenants in our life groups. They haven't really got back together as I hoped. And, and our own, my own group that I'm leading, it was low in numbers, and I was just like, God, what's going on? It just seemed like before COVID and stuff, it was so easy to have these meetings and all these people show up, and after COVID, it was like pulling teeth trying to get people to come, or they were just so busy doing this or so busy doing that, and uh, it was just, I was feeling like, am I doing something wrong? Am I, am, I, am I missing it, God? What's going on? And I was just trying to pray and figure it out, because like I said, I was feeling this funky feeling, this off feeling, and I just wasn't sure what it was. And then we had more... Um, health issues in our church than probably it felt like anyway. I don't know if this is a fact. We had more health issues in our church in the last several months than in our 15 years being here combined. It's probably not true, but it felt like that. Terry had surgery on his wrists and his, and his back. Uh, Pat Daniels had hip surgery. Pat Young had cataract surgery. Praise God, these surgeries went well, but there was a lot going on. You know, um, Susan Jones had stomach surgery. Noah Shoup had COVID three times and is still struggling some with inflammation in his lungs. He's been here only, I don't know, a handful of times, if that, this year, because he's just really been battling stuff. Um, Debbie fell, hit her head, 
had to get six stitches, could have, could have bled out. By the grace of God, praise God, she didn't. Um, on top of that, Terry and Debbie both had several visits to the ER. I was going to ask you guys if you knew how many times you've been to the ER. Oh, you didn't count? It was, it was a lot because, uh, I mean, I'd go visit them. I don't remember how many times, several times, visit them, pray for them. Often I'd leave and Terry was feeling a little bit better or Debbie was feeling a little bit better. And then it seemed like that night or next morning I was getting a text, please pray for us. We're on our way to the ER because something's going wrong with this or something's happening. I don't know what's wrong or whatever. And I was like, my gosh, what is going on? Like it just felt this heaviness I was feeling. Um, two of my friends were diagnosed with cancer. One of them died on Thursday. He's younger than me. And uh, we were in each other's weddings. We did everything together in Canada. And uh, that one hit. That one hit close to home. I, I've, my dad died, but I hadn't had a friend die yet of anything. And I was just, we had all these dreams of doing stuff together. And one day, even though he lived in Indiana, one day maybe I'd preach at his church or he'd preach here. And, or we'd go on these trips or do something together. And he has two little girls. And I'm just like, wow. Like, it's just that reality hitting. Like, man, he's, he's gone. I'll get to hang out in heaven, but for now, that time's up. Then we had uh, Jacob and Abby Brown had uh, health concerns with their baby. The baby was born, born missing the lung. Remember that? And that same weekend, uh, Anna and Michael had a baby girl, Ellie, who was born with some health concerns and issues. She's fine now, but there was all this stuff, all this stuff all going on really pretty close together. And I was uh, feeling tired. I was feeling heavy. I was feeling, still trying to discern what I was feeling. And on top of that, and some of this stuff I think was residue from COVID and different things, not necessarily the sickness part, but just like the emotional side of things, just as we're trying to get back into the flow of things how they were before. But uh, we also had problems in the church here and other people that I knew in marriages. And they were getting attacked, and I was getting, and it was, this was heavy on me. I was burdened by this, by people in this church. Some people are not in this church. Some people you know, some people don't know. But the Holmans got a divorce. You guys know that. And that was a shock and a uh, just a uh, moment. Marshall and Chess are officially divorced. That happened this year. That was a very long, painful process for everybody involved. And I talked to Marshall. He knows I'm sharing this a bit. But I just wanted to say something about this um, to honor Marshall. Um, that really hurt a lot. Uh, she was in our youth group. She, I did their wedding. It was tough. But I've never seen anybody walk through what he walked through like that. He was very private. Some of you guys knew about it, some of you didn't. Um, there was one night in particular, I'm thinking of, we had a healing service, a, worship, a community worship night, and I met him at the door right back there. He was carrying his guitar, and he just like fell into my shoulder, and he said, she just asked me to sign papers. And uh, I was like, well, dude, you don't have to lead worship tonight. You, you know, you can just sit in the crowd or go back home or whatever. Like, like literally, she just heard, I think Dale and I were the only ones in the room that actually knew. He goes, no, I need to do this. I need to do this. And I was like, really sure? He goes, yeah, I need to. So he stand right here playing guitar, leading worship. And he cried almost the whole worship set, the whole night. He was crying. And it looked like Holy Spirit crying, and it probably was some of that too. But he was grieving, mourning, and people in the room had no idea the sacrifice he was making to be up there for us to be led in the presence of God. And I just wanted you to know that as a way of honoring Marshall. He did everything he could do. He did everything he knew what to do. Um, but it takes two, you know. And as some of you guys have been through some of those hurtful things. And it's very, very hard. So all these things were happening 
all at the same time. And I want you guys to, I want to say that to Marshall. He wondered where she'd been and stuff. It's been a long process. And um, thank you for not constantly asking him, where's Chess and all this stuff. Um, they, the family appreciates that. But I wanted, I just wanted to let you guys know. So all these things were going on, health issues, marriage issues, other ones you guys don't know about. And I was just feeling heavy, discouraged. I was questioning a lot of things, like, am I even helping these people? Like, what, what am I doing? Like, am I, am I missing here, God? Am I, uh, do I need to be praying more? Do I need to be fasting more? How, how come I didn't have more discernment to kind of figure out so there was a problem here? Or could have maybe, maybe, you know, we all probably do that sometimes. Like, maybe if I would have did this differently, I would have could have done this different or would have did more marriage counseling or would have, I don't know. It just You just start going through this in your brain of, because we don't like bad things happening. And bad things stink. <laughs> uh, they just, they're tough. And I was uh, just questioning a lot of things. I questioned if my faith had slipped, if my faith had gone down. I prayed for many people that have been instantly healed. And then when you pray for people and they're not, sometimes you just feel like, huh, like, what's going on, God? And I just, I, again, I was just feeling bad. I was discouraged and um, trying to carry the weight of these things and other ministries that I'm doing. And I, I, I was finally, God gave me a dream to help me discern what I was feeling. I want to share this dream with you. I thank, thank God that he'll speak to us even in our dreams. But uh, in this dream, I was in the back seat of a, of a car, um, a Toyota Honda type car. And the tire pressure uh, on my side underneath where I was sitting was low. And I stopped somewhere to get the tire, the tire filled back up. And I, got the, I was still in the car while the guy was inflating it. And as he's inflating it, I usually fill mine. I remember the dream. This is it's weird how you remember stuff in dreams. But I usually inflate mine to 40. And in the dream, this guy inflated it to 46. And I was like, hey, 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 come on. So I kind of harshly corrected the guy. Like, you're going to ruin my tire. You're going to pop the tire or something. And um, I also remember driving, weaving through traffic. It was a really busy place. Like we are in India or Uganda or something. It's crazy driving. And we had to go very slow. So I woke up. And, you know, you have those dreams. But this one, I just couldn't shake it. So I just started praying, God, what are you trying to say to me? And he didn't just give me a few symbols and a few clues. Like, he just, like, just downloaded, like, his heart into me. Like, here's, what you're, here's what's going on. I want to read this to you. He said, um, the car represents you. The tire represents you. The underinflating and the overinflating were done by you. And you got mad at yourself for making a mistake, not doing it right or perfectly. And he said, you are putting too much pressure on yourself to make this ministry happen. You feel like you, you feel like you're afraid that you're letting yourself, others, and me down by not fixing all these problems, situations, marriages, healings, etc. You are not designed to carry the weight of these things. The weight of these things caused the air to leak out of, your, out, out of that tire. Then you are getting mad at yourself for putting too much pressure on yourself. This is a no-win situation, Ryan. I want to teach you how to walk in this world and not take the cares of this world upon your shoulders. Ryan, this is something that very few people have mastered. And as your ministry increases, and that is what is happening and will continue to happen, you need to learn this so the weight is not crushing. I just love how he takes that tire pressure. I'm sitting over that tire, underinflated, overinflated, the whole thing. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's genius. I'm just like, but it was so, like, it was me doing that. Like, I was, it was wrong thinking. Or wrong, but, you know, when you love people, you just, you want to fix stuff. You want to, like, 
you want to just step in and like help carry the weight or help do stuff. And so sometimes, um, sometimes you can't totally, like not as much as you want to. He went on to say, I went, I asked God, why was I in the back seat not driving? He said, Ryan, you were in the back seat because you are letting other things drive your life. Pressure, responsibilities, fear. You felt like the weight of these problems was upon you. But that, but the problem is, I don't want you to fix everything. Problems are sometimes good for people. It will motivate and challenge them to press into me for answers. And Ryan, you can't fix everything. You know, you know, you know these things, but then like you still need to be reminded sometimes. Because we I don't know we have a God complex or I don't know what it is, but we just we love people. We want to fix stuff. And, it, and anyway, so I, I love how God was speaking to me here. Because you can't fix everything. I never asked you or anointed you to fix everyone's problems. You are anointed to preach and teach the gospel to people. You are anointed to love people and encourage them in my word. Sometimes this means instant healing instantly, and sometimes it is gradually. But you are to lead them to me, not to yourself or your giftings. I'm just like, okay, all right. I love God's correction. I love it. I need it. <laughs> So I said, Ryan, the pressure of ministry is getting to you lately. The pressure of Uganda Wells, BTM, which is Breakthrough Ministry, the TV um, channel. Um, Sunday morning services, your book, discipleship class, dream interpretation class, youth, community worship night, um, starting to prophetic teams back up again, and sozo. Then you add the marriages and health issues, you are, and you are feeling it. You are feeling fatigued from carrying too much. And I said, so how do you want me to handle this? Aren't you glad God's the God of solutions? He just doesn't point out problems and say this vague thing, like, here's a problem. But he has solutions. And he says, um, Ryan, you need to cast your cares upon me and let me care for these cares. You have to believe that I am willing and desiring to carry these weights for you. What good will it do for you to carry them? Will it fix anything? Will it solve anything? No, it will not. It just makes you feel tired. Have you been there? I, I, I know I'm reading this for a personal story for me. It affects you, but I'm really hoping that, that you can take stuff from this too because what God says to me is not just for me. It's for all of us. Uh, he said, Ryan, the verse you've focused on while you've been at Plum Tree is 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time or due season. But the very next verse in the same sentence says, casting all your cares upon me, for I care for you. He said, Ryan, part of me exalting you is directly connected to you humbling yourself and casting your cares upon me. If you don't handle the casting, you will not be able to handle the exalting. The exalting creates opportunity for more ministry. But the more ministry without the casting will create heaviness, weariness, and health risks. Have you seen that in people and other people? Yeah. And not just ministry in church, but in life, ministering your family and stuff. So, Ryan, I want you to just be aware of casting the burdens onto me as you, are, as you are of humbling yourself. I want you to become an expert caster. Just like good pro fishermen can cast their line into the exact spot they want it to land, I want you to become an expert caster of your cares, your dreams, your visions, your anxieties about any, everything and anything on me. Share your heart with me. Share your burdens with me. I am not looking for a reason to disqualify you or judge you. My desire is to help you to help you in, in a whole new way that you had no idea I wanted to help you with. I am not, not like others that you know. I love to help you. I love to partner with you. I, I, I am full of joy. Excuse me. I fully enjoy it. 
Just like you love doing things with your children, I love doing things with you. Ryan, I love it. We, we can do anything together, even golf. I thought that was interesting. I wonder if he could help my score some, but a little bit. I could appreciate that. But anyway, he said, I just love spending time with you. So, Ryan, casting your cares is not a sign of weakness in your faith. It is a sign of your dependency upon me, the author and finisher of your faith. Go in peace, my son, and be an expert caster. So I was just getting this downloaded to me. I was just typing as fast as I could to try to get this stuff in. But that so ministered to my heart. The issues were still in the church. The issues were still there. These people are still struggling with different things. But I took them to the Lord, and I left them there. And I think sometimes we're tricked to think that when we, when we cast our cares on the Lord, that it means we, don't, we stop caring. And it, it's not true. It's really, we care so much, we're casting our cares. Because we know we can't fix this. But God can. So, as you can imagine, this dream and interpretation really helped me. And uh, helped me a lot with how to handle some of this stuff. But even then, I still felt, I still felt like something else was still off. It was still something I was still trying to discern. What was going on? Why am I feeling like this? Why am I being tempted that my faith is weakened or not as strong as it used to be or something? And um, I, I just, uh, let me skip to this part. So I was feeling this way and I'm praying and just like, God, help me. And I, I, one of the things, going back just a little bit, is praying. He's, God said, the problem is that you don't want, I don't want you to fix everything. It's going back to what we're talking about. I don't want you to fix everything. Problems sometimes are good for people. They sometimes make you draw in, press to God. You know, we, we have these problems in our life, but how can you have a, a testimony without a test? You know, you don't have a message sometimes without a mess. You know, I mean, and uh, just some things in life you're just going to have to go through. And um, I, I, it just, it's a challenge sometimes. But I want to read this to you again, First um, Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your, all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. It was hilarious. I did not realize when he spoke this to me that I knew that was in the Bible. I remember that verse, but I didn't realize it was in the same sentence in the next verse of one I'd quoted probably hundreds of times while I've been here in my heart. And um, it was just amazing. So going back to how I was feeling weird, and I'm saying this to you guys because it's, sometimes you have to practice what we preach. I can get up and preach a sermon to you, tell you, you got to do this, this, and this, and you got to do all these things. But you know what? Sometimes you actually just have to do it. It's easy to get up here and talk about it. preaching. You're preaching Jesus. I'm not preaching me. He's the awesome one. <laughs> Praise God. He's got it all figured out. But you get up there and you preach these things just because you preach it, and you can, be, you can have an awesome sermon. Everyone can shout an amen, pat you on the back of the way. That was so good. But it's another thing to live it. Amen? Another thing to live it. And uh, I had to f try to figure out what was wrong, what I was feeling. But one thing I was trying to do there was strengthen myself in the Lord. Until I discerned what it was, why I was feeling a little bit funky, uh, I had to just keep strengthening myself in the Lord. I was praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. I was reading my Bible. I was confessing. Uh, prophecies previously made concerning me. I was doing all these things. I was sometimes putting a little extra time in that because I was feeling this weird feeling. And really what it was, was this lie that started in Uganda um, that it took me a while to discern it. This lie started in Uganda that I didn't see as many miracles as I did the last time because Dave Mark wasn't there and John wasn't there or whatever reason why it wasn't there or my faith was less or something. 
we still saw a lot, but I just, there was more I wanted to see that I didn't. And somehow that little lie got whispered in my ear and just kind of stuck to me like Velcro a little bit. And I was feeling a bit less. And so as I strengthened myself in the Lord and God revealed this to me, I renounced the lie that my faith has been weakened. I renounced the lie that uh, it's gone down. And I, instantly, I just felt like back to normal again. Like I, I was feeling almost intimidated. Like I don't think I can preach a sermon on faith right now, not with, not with Debbie going through what she's going through, not with Terry going through what she's going through, not through all these things, people going through this. I don't know if I can preach right now. Maybe I'll, I'll preach it next week. I mean, I'll preach it sometime later because if I preach this right now, they're like, oh, how could you say that? Uh, don't you saying I don't have faith because I'm going through this, this, or this? And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm trying to say, I'm trying to build up our faith. But uh, I'm just going to say this. When we're going through something, we're going through something challenging, is when we need to hear those words. We need to hear the words we've heard again and again and again. Uh, God's faithful. We need to hear the promises of God. We need to hear that God wants you well. We need to hear that God's going to meet you there, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's in the ER, whether it's in your bed at home. He's going to be there. He is faithful. And, you know, sometimes we get tricked to think, well, I can't talk about this. I can't say these certain things right now because they're going to get hurt or offended. And uh, it could happen. I mean, nowadays people can get offended over anything. But um, we need to know God's heart. And when we're discouraged sometimes, even after... I mean, there's still tack and timing and all that kind of stuff. But even after tragic things happen, we still have to go back to the promises of God, the Word of God, and build ourselves up in the most holy faith in the Word of God and praying in the Holy Spirit. We have to practice what we preach. You know, um, the Bible talks about milk. Paul's telling us, you should be an adult by now, but you're still on milk. And you should be eating meat by now. And the goal, what Paul's telling them, their time needs to come when you can cut your own meat. You know, when you were a little kid and you had little children, you had to cut their meat up, their chicken, their steak, whatever, cut it little small pieces to make sure they wouldn't choke on it. But after a while, if, uh, you know, I was in the back and I'm cutting up Jordan's meat for him in a fellowship meal, you guys look at me like, what in the world's wrong with Pastor Ryan? That boy's 23 years old. He's still cutting his meat? What, what, what? That's, that's some weird, that's a weird family right there. That's some weird stuff. And, um... But you notice some of us that are 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever age, and we still don't cut our own meat. We're still on milk and not on solid food. You know why? Because we're not doing what the Word says. It's one thing to hear it. You guys have heard more sermons. Oh, my gosh. I mean, me too. Uh, thousands and thousands. Most of you grew up in church your whole life. And uh, I don't mean this as a way of condemning. I mean it as a way to challenge us all. We can hear the word, but we need to do the word. We need to do the word. Sometimes when you're going through the fight, guess what? That's when you need to practice what you've heard. That's when you need to put in practice what the things you've been taught, right? So I want to go back to uh, this strength yourself in the Lord. Um, king David did that before he was king. You remember, probably remember this story. I want to read this to you in 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 8. Now it happened when David and his men came from Ziglag, on the third day that the Elimachites uh, had invaded the south and Ziglag attacked invaded the south and Ziglag attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city 
And there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with, with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Imagine that day. You're coming home from all these victories, all these amazing battles you've won, success, all this loot and plunder probably with them. And you come home just so excited to see you. I haven't seen him in a while. There's no cell phones. There's no text messaging. There's no emails. They just traveled across the desert. They get there, and what's that smoke? What, over the, that looks like it's coming from my house. And all their homes were burnt to the ground. All their wives were gone. All their children were gone. Uh, and they were horrified, petrified, terrified. They were crying so much tears they didn't have any tears left. And David, verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, but the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's a tough day. That'd be a hard day, wouldn't it? You get to this mountaintop, to this valley really quickly. Emotions were high here. Women and children were taken. Homes burnt to the ground. The men wanted to kill somebody. They wanted to, they wanted, they're, they're fighters. They're warriors. They wanted to get the fight and get their, uh, their family back. They didn't know if their family was dead, if they were, just tortured, they were being tortured, if they were kidnapped. They were scared, angry, and they were starting to be exhausted and angry, and they're starting to blame David. Like, Oh, this leader, if he would have not taken us here, here we would have been here. We would have been here to fight and protect our family. This wouldn't have happened to us for David. We're going to kill him. And David could have said, all right, man, calm down. We've, we've killed bigger people than this. I remember I killed Goliath before. We've done all these things before. And he didn't do that. They're, they're threatening to stone him. And what did he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't let his emotions dictate his next action. He didn't let his emotions get carried away. Now, if you think he wouldn't have been emotional in that moment, oh, man. It's your wife, your kids that you've raised, whatever age they are, and they're gone and someone took them and you don't know what happened to them. Man, you'd be packing the guns and extra clips and all the stuff you had, renting the bazookas, renting the, the tanks, whatever you got to do, and I'm getting my family back. So emotions are high, but look at what David did. In the moment of his crisis, he practiced what he preached. He put into practice what he learned on the backside of the wilderness. He put into practice the thing he learned when he was playing the harp, when he killed the lion and the bear. He put into practice the things that got him to where he was at that moment. He put into practice. And he quieted himself before the Lord, and he listened. All right, verse 7 says this. And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And uh, Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you, you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now the ephod was what the high priest would wear. It's like a, a, a vest, basically, it looked like. And he took this, and he put this on, possibly the same one that Aaron wore. And he's praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's praying the same as he did as a young child. What do I do? Do I overtake them? Do I not? And he strengthened himself in the Lord in God's presence. Maybe he remembered the words over him. Maybe he read some scripture. Maybe he sang some of the psalms that he wrote. But he got his heart quiet. He listened to the Lord and he heard. And then they took action. And they recovered all. And I feel like that's the season that we're in right now. Is that we're quieting ourselves before the Lord. But we're going to recover all. 
We're going to recover all. It's been a tough season, not just starting. It didn't just start this year. It started a few years ago, but we're going to recover all. But we got to do it the way like David did and not let our emotions get the best of us, not just react to this, react to that, and, sh- and just do this in response, whatever, but quiet ourselves before the Lord. Listen to what he says and then do it. Amen. So um, they recovered everything. Now, it's, uh, it's not always best for us uh, to try to fix our problems instantly. You know, well, I'm just going to do this. Well, I'm just going to do this. You know what? I'm just going to call up their dad. I'm just going to call up this person, and I'm going to tell them this. I'm going to tell them that. I'm going to give them peace of my mind. I'm, I can fix this and whatever. And guess what you do? You make it worse. I'm not saying you. I mean me too. I mean we. I mean we're in this together. But uh, he, he quiet himself before the Lord. If he, he could do that in that moment, we can do it when we're going through a stressful thing, can't we? I mean, we're never, we're, we're most likely, I would believe, we're never going to experience your house burning to the ground by a bunch of bandits. You're never going to experience your, your wife and your kids being kidnapped. Amen in Jesus' name. We're never going to experience that. But if he could, in that moment, quiet himself before the Lord and pray and listen for counsel, because you'd think as a mighty warrior, you knew exactly what to do. You got Goliath's sword. You got all this stuff. You got the testimonies. You got the slingshot. You got whatever else you need. We're going to go kick some butt and take some names. And, um, but he didn't. And I want to encourage you as you're going through your tests and trials, don't do what Abraham did and, uh, you know, create, have an Ishmael. Oh, I can fix this. I can make this happen. I can make God's promises come to pass in my life. I can do this. I can do that. I'm telling you, we start with God, we go through life with God, and we end with God. In each step in life's journey, we need to humble ourselves before his mighty hand. He'll exalt us in due season, casting all of our cares on, upon him because he cares for us. Don't exclude God from your life because you think you can fix it. Well, I'm not going to sit here and wait till God tells me. I've been praying about this for 20 years. I've prayed this for 10 years. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I can't guarantee you you're going to hear quickly, as quickly back as David did that moment. It seemed like it was pretty quick. It might not have been, but it seemed like it was how it's written. But... When you humble yourself under God's hand, he'll show you what to do. And the answer might be wait. It might be wait. You know, when you're waiting, it's hard sometimes, right? Waiting, but isn't patience part of the fruit of the Spirit? Isn't the Bible talking about patience? God's trying to fully develop patience in us. And isn't your faith being tested when you have to wait? Oh, man, it is. You prayed for something, and then it didn't happen right then, instantly. It didn't happen, whatever, it's delayed. You're thinking, well, go down this checklist. I guess God didn't hear me. I guess God's not with me. I guess God doesn't love me. Well, I guess I'm going to figure this out on my own. Since I'm all by myself, no one's going to help me. We have our, you know, a little emotional pity party and agreeing with the devil, not agreeing with God's word. We start going on this track, and then we, like, then we have to become the solutionary, and we have to try to fix stuff. I'm telling you, we're going to make things worse. Okay? Um, in life, we have tests and trials. We do. And sometimes they stink. <laughs> they just do. Sometimes they do. You know? But usually, in a cl- like in a classroom setting, you're tested on the things you've been trained in. A teacher is going to give you a test in class after she's taught you for X number of days or weeks on the material. 
Okay, and then you get a grade depending on how well you studied or didn't study. Actually, I found one of my report cards from middle school going through the other day. I was looking for pictures of my friend Greg. His, his uh, sister was asked for pictures. I was going through all this old stuff. I found one from middle school. I really thought I did better than that. Most of those grades would not have passed here in America. Uh, we only needed a 50 to pass. Um, and, and I think here, what do you guys have to have, 70 or something to pass? Oh, man, I would have failed most of those classes. I just, I was all about playing basketball and sports. I didn't care about any of that stuff. But anyway, um, so I didn't listen to the material that the teacher covered in the classroom very well. I actually had all these, I saw my first grade or something, too. My mom saved everything. And it had all these, like, uh, needs improvement, all this kind of stuff. Oh, man, I had all the bad ones. I had them all marked on my report card with the A, B, C, and D beside them. They all meant something like doesn't pay attention, talks in class, blah, 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 distraction to others. I mean, I had them all. I, that, that, <laughs> that was very edifying reading that. But, I was <laughs> uh, but praise God, he's uh, done some work in my life. But, um, but uh, the material covered in the class is what we're tested on. The material covered in your life by the word of God is what you're going to be tested on. It's in those moments when it's time to be tested to see how your faith will stand. Okay? It's show you how, if you've learned to love. If you've learned how to forgive somebody who doesn't deserve forgiveness. If you've learned how to believe. If you've learned how to trust. If you've learned how to listen to the still small voice of the Lord. It's in those times we have to practice what we've heard. Amen? It's time to be tested. And guess what? If you don't do the test right, you got to take it again. you got to repeat second grade. I didn't have to do that, praise God. I would have over here for sure, <laughs> but I didn't have to there. Um, but you're going to be retested. You, you can, you know, and how, depending on how you handle the tests and trials, it's depending on is how you go through them. You do it on your own or you do it God's way. And you're going to be graded accordingly. But if anyone has been taught the word of God, it's you guys. It's me. Most of the ones I know, I don't know everyone in the room really well, but I assume you guys probably grew up in church too. You've heard thousands of messages, and then a trial comes like, oh, God, what do I do? Well, guess what? It's time to be tested. Then let's pass the test and do things the way God asks us to do. Amen. We have to fight the good fight of faith with a two-edged sword of the word of God. We have to stand on the promises of God. We have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We have to remember who we are and what God called us to do. We have to remember the prophecies previously spoken over our lives. We have to do these things. We can't just hear the message like, oh yeah, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya, and just think everything's going to go well. Guess what? There is a fight to your faith. And it's a good fight if you fight according to the rules. It's a good fight, and the word of God says we win you win. You don't have to stay stuck in a funky feeling or feel like something's off. If you do feel like that, guess what? You need to do some things I did. Maybe I did it real slow, but I eventually got there. Figure it out. Figure it out. It's a test. And if we accept these little things, these little arrows that hit you, guess what? We're going to accept bigger ones too. Just, it's like uh, fear, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. It's just this little little things, the small foxes that spoil the vine. Amen? So um, these tests and trials can crush us or they can strengthen us depending on how we handle them. But like, like David, I want to encourage you today to not let your emotions get the best of you. Because your mind is quickly to go to, to the worst case scenario. 
oh, man, if this happens, and this happens, and I lose my job, then I lose my house, then I lose this, then I lose that, and you start going this stuff, and you haven't even factored in God in the equation at all. Uh, I heard the story this week of a, 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 a pastor who's going through a trial with the finances, and he needed this money by Friday. And he called up this other pastor and said, hey, um, I'm really going through a trial. Will you pray for me? He goes, yeah, I'll pray for you. What's going on? He goes, I have these bills due. They're due Friday, and I don't know what's, how it's going to work out. And he goes, well, why are you worried about it? He's like, what do you mean? Today's Tuesday. He goes, but why are you worried about it? God's got three more days still. Why are you worried about it? It's your perspective. He's, you're already planning your demise instead of planning your victory. You're, already, you're not planning, like, in three days, God create. I mean, he could create another whole world in three days. I mean, he can do all kinds of stuff in three days. But this guy was, he, he really challenged his faith. Like, what do you believe right now? Are you going to believe God? Are you going to expect the, tri- the, the, the worst case scenario to happen in your life? You, follow, you hear me? And so the pastor was challenged, like, you're right. I got three days left. God's got three days left. I'm going to cast this care in the Lord. This is his... We're in life together. We're co-laboring with Christ. He's gonna, he cares about us. He's going to help us with these things. So, uh, and the money came by Friday. You know, but our worrying isn't going to fix our problems. It's going to God, listening to the Lord, doing the things you've been taught, putting your faith into practice, and uh, is going is to cause you to walk in the things of God, make the blessings flow in your life. So I want you to remember this. Um, not that you need to remember this, but you're going to go through some tests and trials sometimes, and sometimes they stink. Sometimes they're not fun. Uh, you know, whether you're a kid and you get the spankings when you're little or whatever, your mom and dad correcting you, cause, but it was for our good. And sometimes we go through these tests and trials that are not always a 30-second prayer, and the answer's had. Or a 30-second prayer, and then everything changes. It's not Hardee's, McDonald's, or Burger King, or whatever it gets your way. Um, sometimes God has a bigger picture in mind of your faith and your character and your patience being developed. He has something bigger sometimes in mind, okay? And he's going to work it all out for your good. All right? You have to use wisdom and discernment. Which thing is a test from the Lord? Which one is a, a something shot at you from the enemy? There's wisdom and discernment there too. But um, however we go through these tests, we need to be like David and not let our emotions get the best of us. And, uh, and take it to the Lord. So remember this. Um, not take the weight of the burdens on yourself. Even if it's your kids. Even if it's, you know, close family. Even if it's whatever. Because guess what? It doesn't help you. And it definitely doesn't help them either. We're instructed by God to give those burdens, those cares to the Lord. Cast your cares to the Lord. Remember to renounce lies and temptations that the enemy is trying to te- make you believe. That still small lie like your face weaker. Or this didn't happen because of this. Or this didn't happen because of this. Or if you would have prayed more, uh, Terry would have snapped out of it, healed quicker. Or this would have happened or that would have happened. And it's just like this roller coaster of emotions. And I mean, I hope you don't have all that going in your head. But sometimes I got to fight those kind of thoughts. <laughs> it's, a, it's wild up there sometimes. <laughs> um, Remember to let, not let your emotions get the best of you. Remember to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Remember to seek God's face for wisdom and counsel. And we will recover all. And we will pass the test. You know, it talks about no one competes as an athlete unless they compete according to the rules. 
No soldier goes out to fight a battle unless he, you know, he's under his military. He's, supposed to, he's not supposed to get involved in civilian affairs, it says, right? But be, uh, stick to their marching orders. We are Christ's ambassadors, and he, we are on the same team, the army of the Lord. Amen? So I want to close this verse for you guys from James uh, chapter 1. I hope this was edifying to you. If it wasn't edifying, it will be encouraging later when you feel like, I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And not what I usually do of, like, put on extra TV shows and binge watch and eat a whole thing of ice cream. Done that, too. But um, all it did was gave me extra pounds, and I had to try to lose weight again, which is a constant challenge. But anyway, um, it's time for the body of God to be the people of God. It's time for us to look like our Father. It's time for us to do the things of God. And we're going to have to practice in the small things. Loving your wives as Christ loved the church. Loving your kids. Blessing them. Praying for them. Serving others. Forgiving people. Yeah. Loving those that hate you. Those that despisefully talk about you. Loving them. Praying for them. Come on, somebody. Some of you guys are looking away right now. Because I'm not, I'm not thinking of you. I don't know your story. But um, it's the word. Your love is not supposed to be natural. It's supposed to be supernatural. And supernatural love forgives those even that don't care, even that, that hate you. Because Jesus has many people that hates him, but he forgives them all and still loves them. James 1, 2 through 4 says, As my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's really strangely worded there. Count it all joy when you fall <laughs> or when you face, some versions say. Count it all joy. How about we practice that word right there? It is a little challenging, huh? Hallelujah. I'm going through this horrible thing. <laughs> but it's good for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, the thing everyone loves. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. Doing what? Lacking nothing. Just like David, he recovered it all. Let patience have its perfect work. Not changing who you are when the going gets tough. Not changing what you do when the going gets tough. That's the time when you see who you really are. When your faith is being tested. When you remember what you've been taught. When you put into practice what you've been taught. When you fight the good fight of faith. Remember who you are. That's when your faith is being tested. Your patience is being tested. And you're showing, no, I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust your word over my life. You will cause all this to turn around for my good. You will turn it all around. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You have to get the word of God coming out of your mouth like a double-edged sword, even when you don't feel it. You know why we like to binge TV shows sometimes? Because you don't feel spiritual warfare when you're watching a TV show. When you're binging this and binging that, you finally get this little break of like, huh, I can just relax and just dumbify myself and watch this show. And I've done it and do watch. I'm not against TV. I'm just saying that's why you don't feel it. So sometimes we don't want to go through this spiritual fight because sometimes it's tiring. It's tiring. When you don't have the answer, you can't figure out how it's going to work, what it's going to look like a month from now, a week from now, a year from now. And guess what? You don't need to know. You know what helped me, a verse that helped me, is, a, is a God, my God will supply everything I need according to his riches and glory. So if I don't have it, I don't need it. 
doesn't mean I don't believe for stuff, but even information. If I don't have the information that I need, I must not need it because God said he provided me everything that I need. So if I still need it, even if I have to get it in a dream, somehow I'm going to get what I need. If I don't have it now, I don't need to know it. I don't need to think about it. In whatever weird way that helped me, I hope it helps you too. We don't have to try to control everything. God is in control. He, he carefully watches over your life. Amen. I'm going to read this to you again. It's time to take the word of God at what it says and means. Amen. My brethren, that's, the, that's his children, count it all joy when you f- fall into various trials. There's one verse, I can't remember where it is, where it says, dance for joy when you go through challenging things. Have you ever tried to practice that? I did it at least once. I can remember one time I did, but it turned out good. <laughs> but count it all, not the dancing part, but the end result part turned out good. But My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Sometimes God... Guys, when you're going through something and it's not an instant answer and not an instant gratification situation, the testing of your faith, you stay, stay true to who you are, true to who, who God says you are. Trust in his word. You're going to come out shining like the stars, just like God, as sons and daughters of God. People can doubt you. What's he doing? Why, why doesn't he do this? Why does that? It's so obvious. He should just do this. He should just do that. No, he, he who waits on the Lord will, be, will renew their strength. To rise up on the wings like eagles. You're going to soar above those things. You don't have to go through stress, depression, and fear and anxiety while you're waiting for these things to come to pass. You can rest in the promises of God knowing I trust him. If you can trust God with your death and the destination of where you're going to spend eternity, we should be able to trust him now with our life. Amen? And that's every part of our life. So, if you guys please stand. I want to pray for you guys. I hope this was encouraging to you. Um... Sometimes you just need to do a spiritual checkup on yourself. You know, we go to the doctor sometimes for checkups. You get your blood pressure checked and different things. And sometimes you just need to take, check your spiritual pulse and just like, I feel funky. I feel a little off. I feel like something's wrong. And, you know, it might not have been that you sinned. It might just be a spiritual attack. It could be a believe lie. It could be a bunch of different things. But if you quiet yourself like David did, and listen to the voice of God, you will, you will get the wisdom you need to recover it all. Guys, thank you. I forgot communion. <laughs> I was like, hey. All right. Uh, why don't the elders come and get the table ready? You guys can sit back down. Thank you. I'd like to close this in prayer. Um, yeah. <laughs> Praise God.